Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you ever been in the position of preparing someone to take over for you? It can be challenging no matter what the project or activity is. When you're in charge, making decisions is much easier, but giving that responsibility away or taking it on is much more difficult. Today, Pastor Jim shares the story of a man who was nearing the end of his life and the time he spent mentoring another to take over his work. As you probably can imagine, it wasn't easy or quick, but the time invested in another would pay off in big ways. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 as he begins his message, Passing the Baton. When I used to watch the Olympics, I don't really watch them anymore, but when I used to watch them, I really liked the track and field events. And one thing I was really intrigued by was the sprint relay races. And I was a distance runner in high school, actually even ran some in college, but I was really interested in the sprint relay races for the reason being that the fastest team did not always win. The races were so fast and so short that often it was the team that was the best at passing the baton that won. Whereas in a longer race, you could get away with a bad toss, you could get away with dropping it, and in a short race, you can't at all. And so the passing of the baton was often the difference between winning and losing. First Timothy, which we already covered, is one of the pastoral epistles. Now we come to Second Timothy, which is another one of what we call the pastoral epistles. And 1 Timothy was, I guess, more of a distance race. The Apostle Paul was hoping to see his young friend and protege, Timothy, who he had sent up to Ephesus because that place was messed up. And he was like, you got to get up there. You got to fix this thing. They had traveled together for years. And in the letter of 1 Timothy, uh, the Apostle Paul offered Timothy some apostolic and pastoral wisdom in how a church was supposed to be organized, how a church was supposed to be run, how a church was supposed to function properly. And that's what a lot of the New Testament letters are about, kind of getting rid of the riffraff or telling the riffraff to get it together or get rid of the riffraff, you know, how God wants his church to function. But 2 Timothy is very, very different. 2 Timothy, this letter is much, much more personal because the Apostle Paul knows he is passing the baton for the last time. And so, to make it easy on me, I made the title of tonight's message, Passing the Baton. And he had been imprisoned in Rome before, and he'd been released, but now once again, he finds himself in a Roman prison. And he's, the Apostle Paul was always being arrested. It was just kind of like the way he did his thing. I guess he needed one of those PBA cards or something like that, which the policemen in the congregation are always glad to give me. They must think I drive like a crazy guy. So he was addressed many times before. A lot of times he was under house arrest because they didn't really give you three meals and stuff like that. You had to have your friends bring in your meals and take your laundry out for you and stuff like that. But it appears to be here that now the Apostle Paul is in a Roman dungeon. And it's about 67 AD. Jesus has been gone for 35 a little more years, and he knows that he won't be released. The Apostle Paul knows that he is going to be executed for his faith. And it seems like a sad ending 
for arguably one of the greatest men who ever lived. And yet, oddly enough, this letter of a man who's about to die absolutely 100% proves his greatness. I mean, this guy is a, is a class act all the way. You say, well, how so? You would think his focus would be on being released. It's not his focus at all. His focus is on passing the baton of faith to the next generation. And that's something that all of us really need to be aware of and constantly be thinking about. And it's easy for a generation to lose the gospel. I think we live in a generation right now that is losing the gospel, or in many sectors, it has lost the gospel. And if you assume the gospel, often the next generation will abandon it. And, you know, it's very interesting. We're going through 1 Corinthians 15, and if you've been around the church a long time, you're like, gosh, I've heard this, this chapter a billion times before. And yet so many people coming up to me after the service, like, well, I, I know I heard it, but I never understood it. I never knew what it meant. And I'm like, well, that's great, isn't it? I mean, it's good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you do. And I wish you knew what it meant, but, you know, it's fine. I'm glad that you're, I'm glad that you're here. Tradition has it that the Apostle Paul was beheaded, and he probably knew that's what was coming down the pike for him. So he sits to write what some might even term his last will and testament to the church. So Timothy was the Apostle Paul's younger traveling ministry companion. And he grew from just this kind of kid he met. And eventually they did a lot together. They served together probably about 15 years or so. And so he became, if you will, what we call a, a son in the Lord to him. Someone who was very, very dear to him. And he went from being kind of the kid who's, I guess, probably started out as a gopher. That's why you start a lot of times when you're starting out, to being a real faithful worker, so faithful to the point in time where the Apostle Paul sends him out to a church to try and fix it, which was, the Ephesian church was in a very important and critical church. In fact, we'll read the passage in a minute in a little different version, but the Apostle Paul told the Philippian church, essentially, I have no one like him. I mean, that, there's really, of all the people that I do ministry with, of all the people that I hang out with, there is no one like Timothy to me. They were unusually close. And for the Apostle Paul, Timothy was very, very trustworthy. And like I said, they've been in ministry together for about 15 years. And one thing we will learn for sure, Timothy was no Apostle Paul. Not at all. He had, a, he had a lot more character flaws, and that's just the way it is. And I, you kind of feel bad for the guy. Certainly the Apostle Paul would be a tough act to follow. And that, that's what happens a lot of times with anyone who's a founder. A lot of times the founder is sort of this risk-taking rock, doesn't really, takes a lot to unnerve them. They learn how to navigate storms, and a lot of times people come into something that's already set up and they haven't done a lot of the, the hard, hard work. People sometimes say to me, what do you miss the most about starting the church here? I always say, I miss praying for pencils. <laughs> now we buy expensive equipment and, you know, we just, can just do that kind of stuff, but I miss praying for pencils. And, you know, that's the way it goes. I, I read many years ago a statistic saying that that if somebody starts a business and they pass it on to, the, to one of their kids, 
about a 44% chance that the business will survive. And then if they pass it on to a grandkid, it goes down to about 13%. I recently was reading an article about generational wealth. And if you pass on a lot of wealth to kids, 30% of them will probably just squander it. And then if it makes its way to the grandkids, say goodbye to Hollywood. (laughs) It's not going to happen. So I'm just going to Next time I talk to Pam about money, I'm be like, let's just go live it up, babe. Come on, what's the point, right? So the Apostle Paul was a rock. He wasn't even afraid of Caesar Nero. It was a crime to say that Jesus was Lord because Caesar thought he was Lord. And, and so it was, you could get the death penalty for that. And so every time the Apostle Paul stood up, he went, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> so he wasn't even afraid at all. And uh, Timothy was, let's put it this way, he was much more human He was like most people. In four chapters, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy what he and all followers of Jesus need to remember as we follow Jesus. So I'll just give you a quick outline that we need to remember both now and as we move on to glory. Chapter one, he's going to tell us to guard the gospel, to hold on to it. Don't let it get out of hand. Don't add to it. Don't subtract to it. Just guard it with all of your life. Chapter two, he tells us that we have to go out, all of us, and teach the gospel. And when you go out and do that, he says, be ready to suffer for it. Not everybody's going to be like, oh, gee, thanks for telling me. (laughs) And so be real, you know, just be ready for it. Chapter three, he's going to say, continue or abide in the gospel. No matter what happens, keep going in it. The gospel, the saving message of Jesus Christ that Those who put their trust in him will have their sins forgiven because he paid for them on the cross. And and he also says in chapter three, avoid those who are evil and imitate those who are good. Great lesson for all of us, right? And so then in chapter four, he says, preach and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ until the end. And I think it's fair to say that if you agree that we live in an age of a compromised church, These are very important things for all of us. So let's jump in. Again, writing from prison, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. He writes, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and then a very important statement, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. So typical of an ancient world letter, they they put their name in the front. Now, usually we look at the return address on the envelope, and if there's not one, then we go right back to the first. We go right to the back to see who wrote to us. But they put their name on the front end, and it begins with the writer's name, and then he says he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. So what is he saying when he means he's an apostle of Jesus Christ? He he means that, that he was called to be one of the group of men that Jesus referred to as the apostles. Now, we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that he was called about a year later. So he, he's a later addition to the crew, and we're going to talk about a little bit how that, some of that worked in a second. And so it doesn't sound like much to us because we're so used to the word apostle, all the apostles, all the apostles this, the apostles that. But, but this was a big deal. They definitely had bullseyes on their back. The Roman Empire was hunting them down because they had become a problem to the Roman Empire. And what it is, though, being an apostle, it is a declaration of God-given authority from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. 
And so it's a very, very important position in the church. Now, some people call themselves apostles. I don't think that's biblical. I think that there was only one set of original apostles. Now, I think you can have an apostolic ministry if you are proclaiming the gospel. That's fine. We should all be doing that without compromise, without shame, without shaving it, with passion and clarity. But to be an apostle, basically, maybe we could narrow it down to three things. You could probably say more. But one is that you were chosen specifically by Jesus as his representative. Now, some of you say, well, I kind of feel like I'm that too. Well, okay. So far, so good. Number two, that they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to teach the word of God. Now, some of you might say, well, I kind of feel like that's we're all supposed to do that. And okay, fine. Uh, also, well, now it gets a little dicey. They were, they were called to write the word of God. Now, that's a little bit of a change. And they were also, one of the requirements was they were to see the risen Christ. Now, some of you are older than me, but I don't know if you've seen the risen Christ, right? I don't know if you were around 2,000 years ago. Some of you look a little tired, but I don't think you look 2,000 years old. So a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about, in our study in 1 Corinthians 15 on Sunday, about the Apostle Paul meeting the risen Christ in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. And I think when we, if you're familiar with that passage, we we often think about that that was the Apostle Paul. Paul's conversion. And that is true, but it was also, okay, in addition to his conversion, the commissioning of the Apostle Paul by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in Acts chapter 26, so you you fast forward then, you know, 17 chapters, the Apostle Paul under arrest, (laughs) on his way to Rome. And he's talking to King Agrippa, and he's like, well, tell me your story. And so he tells him what happened in Acts chapter 9. So it says this, Acts chapter 26, verses 12 through 18. He says, while thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. So the religious leaders were sending him out to destroy churches, to bring Christians back to Jerusalem to put them under trial to see if they were going to undergo the death penalty. That was his job. Nice guy, huh? Nice guy. He's basically kind of a hitman. He says, verse 13, At midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, remember he started out his name was Saul, Why are you persecuting me? Remember we said that Jesus identified with his people so much. He was persecuting the people, the church, but Jesus said, no, you're persecuting me if you're persecuting my people. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And so the goads would be the things that were prodding him. So maybe God had been prodding his conscience and maybe that's you. Maybe God's prodding your conscience and it's hard for you. You're kicking against it, but he keeps doing it and keeps doing it. He is relentless. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, now listen to this, to make you a minister and a witness of both the things which you have seen and of the things I will yet reveal to you. 
And no one explains the life, death, and resurrection better than the Apostle Paul. It's just absolutely amazing the depth and what he learned from the Lord Jesus. He went away for, we think, about 14 years into the desert and sat at the feet of Jesus, just learning. Now watch verse 17. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles. And they divided the world into Jews and Gentiles. He was a Jew. Now they thought the Gentiles were basically the kindling wood for the fires of hell. Gentile dog. So they were not the best of buddies. And then he says, as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you. So he says, I'm going to send you to those people that you hate. You thought you hated the Christians. Now I'm going to send you to the people that you really hate. Now, that word send you is very, very important. It's the two words, ego Apostello. What does that mean? It means he just said to him, I apostle you. Right there, right at the moment when he meets him. I apostle you. In other words, I appoint you as the apostle to the Gentiles. That's what he's saying to them right at that moment. That guy must have been like, what? (laughs) What? To open their eyes. Jesus still talking to him in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of, of Satan to God that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and there's even more an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What is he saying? I'm going to bring them into the family. Now this goes against everything that he knows as a Jew. Like would he must be like, what? <laughs> What? And the Apostle Paul says, it was all, he's telling Timothy, it was all by the will of God. I am what I am. Remember he said that in 1 Corinthians? It's just by the will of God. I wasn't asking for this. And I was just going down the road and boom, I was on the ground, bright light. And all of a sudden Jesus is there and he's like, yeah, I'm sending you out. And I'm going to send you out on an incredible mission. In fact, he said to another guy, I have to show this guy how much he has to suffer. So the Apostle Paul is saying this was all part of, and he's telling Timothy, the will of God for my life, that he's an apostle by God's authority, not his own. And the apostle here is also given divine authority, So as he writes this letter for Timothy and for followers of Jesus throughout the centuries, we are reading a divinely inspired letter from God. As we learned in 1 Corinthians 15, the apostle Paul worked harder than the rest of the apostles. Remember what he said? But it really wasn't I who worked. It was the grace of God that was working within me. So while we are not apostles, followers of Jesus are like apostles. By the way, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, we're glad you're here with us or if you're watching us online or listening on the radio. But followers of Jesus are like the apostle Paul in the sense of God calls us and God empowers us to serve him. Now, some might say, well, come on, they they went together for 15 years They they ministered together for 15 years. Timothy knows all this. He's probably heard the story a thousand times. Why is he repeating this? 
Why is he saying this to Timothy again? I think to empower Timothy. I think he's reminding him, listen, just as I was called to this thing, you were called to this thing. It was a different calling. It didn't happen the same way. But nonetheless, you were called by God. To remind Timothy, to remind you, to remind me that the circumstances, and in the Apostle Paul's case right now, jail does not change the calling. In Philippians, he's chained to people. Every time he's chained to people, he's giving them the gospel. (laughs) He's like, yes, the people here in the palace are getting saved. (laughs) You just imagine, oh, I pulled Apostle Paul duty. Then other people are like, hey, can I go guard the Apostle Paul once they get saved? So the Apostle Paul says at the end of verse 1, according to the promise of life which is in, oh, that little word in is always so important, in Christ Jesus. So the Apostle Paul grounds his life in his relationship and close ties with Jesus Christ. But he says here, the promise of life. And that life, that promise, that's what keeps him going on from the moment he started through all of the beatings and the shipwrecks and the getting beaten by snakes and all the problems, stuff that happened to him, that's going to him and even going to, going to, going to chop his head off. It's going to carry him all the way to eternity. In other words, the Apostle Paul is looking far beyond his situation. He's looking far beyond his situation to the life to come, to the future life of glory in the kingdom of heaven. It's also been the goal of the Apostle Paul's ministry to tell the world about how anyone can get eternal life in Jesus Christ. I mean, when he was going around telling people, he was like, I, I was awful, man. I, I killed Christians. I, I, was, I was as bad as you get. If Jesus will take me, he'll take, he'll take anyone. And this is the calling of every follower of Jesus This is the calling of every Bible-believing church. And a lot of people feel guilty about it, but you shouldn't. You should just really use the gifts that God has given you to serve the cause of Christ. And that's very important. And the gospel is the good news for dying sinners. It is the promise of a glorious life beyond the grave for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's also the promise of a life to be lived now, that God will help empower you and help empower me, help empower all of us to live this life now. And we tell people the good news in order to offer to them the possibility of this new life. And there are so many people who want a new start in life. There are so many people who want a fresh start in life. They just get Sometimes I think the way we speak to people about these things, probably we need a little bit more practice. Probably the best way to practice is, you know, I remember when I was a kid, you know, most of you know, I grew up across the street from a horse farm. And the best way you learn is you fall off and you get back up on the horse. And so sometimes you make a mistake and people hate you. And then you're like, well, probably not going to use that method again. <laughs> and so you just, you learn. And the closer we get to Jesus the more compelling it is for us to serve the Lord. And as we serve the Lord, it becomes easier to persevere in encouragement and hope. He says, verse 2, to Timothy, a beloved son. 
Another version says, my beloved son. Another version says, my dearly loved son. And then he says this, a typical kind of greeting for him, a little different, but grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So here we see his affection for Timothy. When he calls him his beloved son, his, we see his care for Timothy, esteem for Timothy, plus he calls him a son. Because a lot of what is going to happen for Timothy is Timothy's going to inherit the ministry. He's going to be like, well, you know what, I, I'm, I'm done. This is it for me. The Lord's made it very clear to me that my time is over. And, you know, you've been called for this time. And your training time is, has been good. You've done a good job. But you've got to keep pressing in. And, you know, you do ministry with somebody or you do anything with somebody for a long time and your relationship changes, doesn't it? Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there too if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.